Hello, folks. Uh, welcome to uh, Scatterbrain Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, and uh, we were asked to fill in again. I don't know if you remember way back in January. Uh, my best friend Bob and I here. Hello. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm excellent. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, we were asked to fill in again to do another uh, little story. Uh, apparently, Scatterbrains are on a little bit of a break here. I have a lot of stuff going on, apparently, so stay tuned, and we'll talk about something very interesting. The Pascagoula incident. Stay tuned. It's going to be fantastic. So, how you been there, Bob? I've been well. How about you, Spidey? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Um, have you heard of this whole thing before? I have. Of course I have. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, this is called, this is happening in Pascagoula, um, and, uh, what was it, Kentucky? No, it was Mississippi. Mississippi, that's right. Um, or maybe Tennessee? Don't do that, you're confusing me. Uh, let's see, yes, it is a city in... It is a city in Mississippi, you're correct, Bob. Well done. If not, nothing. I know my geography. Uh, you know a little bit more than that, don't you? Indeed. So this is a UFO abduction case that happened in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh, way back in 1973, I believe. Yes, it was in 1973. It was a sighting and alien abduction. Uh, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker both claimed they were abducted by aliens while fishing near the Pascagoula in Pascagoula, Mississippi, on the Pascagoula River. Yes, and they were strange, weren't they? Very strange indeed. So it was uh, October 11th, 1973, to be exact, 42-year-old Charles Hickson and then 19-year-old Calvin Parker. Uh, they were they worked together and they liked to fish, so they'd get together and fish, drink beers, you know, that sort of thing. But they told the uh, Jackson, Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office that they were fishing off a pier on the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. And they heard like a whirring sort of sound or a whizzing sound. And these two flashing blue lights started coming toward them. Uh, they said it was an oval-shaped uh, craft about 40 feet across, about 10 feet high. Now, Parker and Hickson claimed they were conscious but paralyzed, while three creatures with robotic, the uh, quote, robotic slit mouths and, quote, crab-like pincers took them aboard the craft and uh, subjected them to an examination, right? Yes, indeed. You like the whole... Uh, you, Humans being tested and prodded and tortured, don't you? You love it. Who would I be if I didn't? Okay, you're twisted, dude. Well, let's just say that this is a very strange encounter because these aliens don't look like any aliens in common human culture. They were like floating carrots or something. It's ridiculous. Their arms look like pinchers and they have like a carrot nose and it's just, it's just silly. I don't believe this at all. What do you mean you don't believe this? I thought you knew about all this kind of stuff and you know this is true, right? Possible. You just said you don't know. It just sounds ridiculous to me. But you know it happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Oh, you're not going to do this shit again, are you? Bob, really? Let's just say it's kind of hard to lie about something like this, especially with one of the circumstances involved. It really makes it questionable as to whether they're actually lying. That's right, when they're in the uh, in custody of the police. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird, huh? They left a, a tape recorder on and... and thought they'd get them all talking to each other about the, the big hoax that they're perpetrating and everything, but instead they were terrified and they were going on and on. Well, well, we'll get to that in a second. Yes, it's a very interesting part of the story. Don't jump ahead too far. Okay, okay, you're right. Uh, let's see, maybe we should take a quick break here and then we're going to get back to the story. Okay, we're back. Why did you take a random break like that? It was weird. I, I, I don't know, it just seemed like a good spot for a break. Yeah, but we didn't do anything. We just sat here for like ten seconds. No, it was less than that. It was like two or three seconds. Yeah, right, so why did we do that? I don't know, it's just something I, well, I'm not supposed to. I mean, I could put breaks wherever I want, right? I suppose you could, but... So 
that. Don't do what? Don't do that while I'm in the middle of... Okay, now you're just being a dick. No, if I was a dick, I'd do this. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen, happen, happen don't you? Don't you? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bob. Please forgive me. Hmm. Some best friend you are. Okay, well, let's get back to the story. Yes, I'm not the one lagging like you. Hurry it up. Okie doke. So what they ended up doing was um, Hickson and uh, Parker contacted the Jackson County Sheriff's Office claiming they were abducted by aliens. Uh, Parker didn't want anything to do with this. Uh, he tried to talk him out of it. Actually, they agreed to each other to not speak of this. And um, Parker kind of uh, was, was stabbed in the back a little bit by Hickson because Hickson immediately uh, went to a phone booth after the incident and called the Jackson County Sheriff. Um, they said to come on in and leave a statement. Had been left in a room after they were being interrogated. The sheriffs, of course, didn't believe this story. They thought it was ridiculous. You know, being dragged onto a ship and all this stuff and being, you know, sedated with needles or whatever. But, you know, a recording uh, had surfaced after that. They were left in the interrogation room being recorded un unbeknownst to themselves. Uh, the sheriff's thinking that they were going to um, catch them, like, you know, laughing about how stupid they were or, or trying to get their story straight or whatever. But instead, was they, uh, what, what they caught was a couple of really terrified people um, saying some pretty genuinely um, scared. Yeah, they're genuinely scared. It's pretty obvious from the recording. I've heard it a couple times. I've heard it too. It is very, very, very intense. It's one of the things that makes this case possibly real. I thought you just said you, you didn't believe this. I'm trying to trick you. Who am I? Okay, 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 okay. I get you, I get you. Um, anyway, so when they heard this tape, uh, the recording, after they left him in there, and when they listened to it, uh, the sheriffs were obviously stunned. Now, recently, uh, the recording said to be made that night of what they told Sheriff Fred Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder uh, has surfaced. Actually, it had surfaced quite some years ago, to be honest. Um, it was about the time of the coronavirus hit when the uh, new recording came out. Parker of Moss Point said uh, when he received two copies of the recording, I'd been talking with him on the Internet. Uh, he just showed up at my house, unquote. The story is very true. This is a quoting a witness. There were actually multiple witnesses in this case uh, from all over Pascagoula that, uh, you know, 40 years later, 35, 40 years later now, are coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, we saw that craft on the river and we just couldn't talk about it at the time. Because of the ridicule. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing. You couldn't talk about these things or you were labeled uh, a nut. Correct, Bob. Correct. A nut. Multiple people, dozens of people actually have come out in the later in life and said, you know, we could, we can't hold our silence anymore. We witnessed it and they described similar similar object. A couple people actually, uh, construction workers, said they saw it parked on a river on the other side of the bank. And they obviously weren't going to talk about it back then. Uh, apparently one of them's parents said, uh, you know, he told the parents and they said, just don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone because you're going to get ridiculed. Yes, it's amazing how humans do this stupidity like this. Yeah, I know. We talked about it last time too, right? Yes. Now, Parker explained uh, the man who gave him copies of the recording was an officer with the Pascagoula police uh, and on the night the abduction occurred, but he does not want to be identified. Now, Parker said the officer was involved because he fielded roughly 50 phone calls that night from people all over the area claiming to have seen something unusual in the sky and on the river itself in Pascagoula that same day in the same area. There's more evidence that these two guys aren't lying. And the fear that was in their voice on the recording is genuine. I can tell you that much. Quote, when I sat down and listened to it, it hit me how real all of this was, Parker said. It kind of choked me up a little bit. 
Refer, he's referring to himself, unquote. Um, I quote, I'd never heard it, not the full recording, just the piece where Charlie and I were locked in the room and they walked out. I was surprised they had the whole thing on tape. Oh, I see. They have the whole entire recording. Yeah, I only heard the part where they walked out and they were alone and frightened and talking about it and saying they didn't want to talk about it anymore. They just want to go home and, and get drunk and they just no one's going to believe them. They're terrified. Um, now, at the time, Parker said he did not know there was a recording in the room, a recorder in the room. Yeah, well, that was the whole idea. Quote, I had no idea, Parker said. Apparently, Charlie didn't either. This was all, this was all hid. Just a side note here. Um, Parker just died in August of 2023. Yes, yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah. He died of liver cancer. Uh, liver failure or something, or kidney failure. Yes, I was kind of surprised when I found out. How could you be surprised you would know about all this stuff? Shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, Okay, let's get back to the interview, okay? Yes, let's get back to the story, dumb shit. Oh, good. Okay, um, now, the interview... Jesus Christ, dude. The interview took place on October 11th, uh, 1973, after Parker and Hickson claimed they were abducted um, while fishing on the bank of the Pascagoula River. Uh, news of the event thrust the, true, the two into the media spotlight almost immediately and put the town of Pascagoula on the map. It was uh, unwanted attention for Parker. He really didn't want anyone to know about this. He didn't want people to think he was crazy. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, Hickson kind of turned on him in a way and didn't, didn't honor his part of the bargain, did not talk about it. He tried to distance himself from this for decades. Now, however, events in Parker's life led him to feel he needed to tell his story. Um, and in 2018, he published his own book detailing the experience. The event became the center of attention for many uh, and a Clarion Ledger published stories about the book and other people claimed to have witnessed unidentified objects in the sky that night as well. 47-year-old story continues uh, with the release of the interview recording, the entire recording. 45 years after reported Pascagoula alien abductions, more UFO witnesses talk, and they're coming out of the woodwork. I, I saw a documentary the other day about it, and it was really interesting. Um, Someone you saw it when he was an 11-year-old boy, boy made a documentary where he went back to his hometown of Pascagoula, and talked to a bunch of uh, locals and asked them if they saw it that night, and he was surprised how many people said, yes, actually, I did see it. It was a blinding light. Uh, in a 2018 interview with uh, Clarion Ledger, Parker said he noticed blue light reflecting off the water, and his initial thought was law enforcement officers had arrived to tell the two fishermen they needed to leave the property because they were both, they, neither of them had a fishing license. They were just after work. They decided to go and do a little fishing, have a few beers, and they did it in kind of a little bit of a remote area of the Pascagoula River um, where you had to walk along a trail, a lot of trash there apparently. And uh, But when Parker looked up, he realized the light was coming from a craft like nothing he'd ever seen. Quote, a light came out of the clouds, Parker said. It was a blinding light. It was hard to tell with the light so bright, but it looked like it was shaped like a football. I would say just estimated about 80 foot. Very little sound. It was just hissing noise, unquote. Parker said three legless creatures floated out from the craft. One had no neck with gray wrinkled skin like an elephant. Another had a neck and appeared more feminine. Parker described their hands as being shaped like mittens or crab claws. He also referred to them as pinchers. When one of the creatures put one of his claws around his arm, Parker said he was terrified. But then another feeling came over his body. Quote, I think they injected us with something to calm us down, Parker said. It was kind of, an, it was kind of numb and went along with the program, unquote. Well, you didn't have a choice, I don't think, everybody. No, no choice at all. <laughs> all right, uh, yeah. Anyway, Parker said the creatures held his and Hickson's arms, floated them into the craft, where examinations were performed on both of them. Uh, they were returned to the bank of the river some 15 minutes later, apparently. Uh, after some debate, the two decided they needed to alert authorities and ended up in an interview room at the sheriff's office. 
During the interview, Parker remained silent, something he regretted when he listened to the recording. Quote, I was wishing I'd really opened up to them and told them everything, unquote. I couldn't resist them. Hickson, who has since died, tried to explain during the 73 interview that what happened and what he saw, including going into the craft. Now, Hickson died uh, back in 2011 of a heart attack. And he said, uh, quote, And then they glided me into that thing, Hickson said. You know how you just glide somebody. All of us moved like we were floating through air. When I got in there, they had me, you know. They just kind of had me there. There were no seats, no chain. They just moved me around. I couldn't resist them. I just floated. Felt no sensation, no pain. They kept me in that room. They kept me in that position a little while. Then they'd raise me back up. Hickson also tried to describe a machine he thought was used for a medical examination. Quote, no, it wasn't like no x-ray machine, Hickson said. Quote, there ain't no way to describe it. It looked like an eye, like a big eye. It had some kind of an attachment to it. It moved. It looked like a big eye, and it went all over my body, up and down, and then they left me. Hickson answered many questions and described the aliens as being about five feet tall with a single leg and foot-like appendages without toes. He said they had what appeared to be ears, a nose and a mouth, but none of the features looked human. Uh, the nose almost looked like a carrot, or the ears looked like two carrots sticking out, same with the nose. Um, there didn't appear to be any eyes, which is very strange, and definitely no neck. He said he was so scared he couldn't remember if they had eyes. So I take that back. He also said that he couldn't remember details about leaving the craft, only Parker's reaction. Quote, the only thing I remember is that kid, Calvin, just standing there, Hickson said. I've never seen that sort of fear on a man's face as I saw on Calvin's. Quote, it took me a while to get him back into his senses. And the first thing I told him was, son, ain't nobody gonna believe this. Let's just keep this whole thing to ourselves. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had to let some officials know. After the questioning, Diamond Ryder left the room. Ryder, now retired and living in Valcleve, said he didn't believe any of Hickson's story. Of course not. Quote, I wasn't really impressed with them, Ryder said. You have people to try and get notoriety, and I thought they were just trying to get some notoriety with a spaceship. But they didn't make it up. While Parker and Hickson were alone, the hidden recorder was still recording. What was recorded changed Ryder's mind. The two talked about fear, sleeplessness, and needing to see a doctor, among other things. At times, it was almost like they were talking to themselves. Quote, Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this. See, Hickson said. Quote, but they could have, you know, I guess they, well, they could have harmed us, son. They had us. They could have done anything to us, but they didn't hurt me. Parker spoke mainly about his anxiety. Quote, I just want to cry right now, unquote, Parker said as he was choking back tears. Quote, what's so damn bad about it is nobody's going to believe us. I got to get home and get to bed and take some nervous pills or something. See a doctor or something. I can't stand this. I'm about to go all to pieces. I can't sleep like it like, it, like this. I'm damn near crazy, unquote. The two continue talking and Ryder still remembers Parker's words. Quote, I put them in a room with a voice-activated recorder, and that convinced me, Ryder said. When that boy was talking about them coming back to get us, you had an 18-year-old boy that had never seen anything. He was genuinely scared. He was telling Charlie, don't talk to the deputies. They'll come back and get us. They didn't make it up. I can guarantee that, said Ryder. This is a very interesting story, wouldn't you say, Bob? Yes, very interesting indeed. Part of the reason that they have been ridiculed and debunked, in some sense, by some people like Philip Lacklass, the jackass it is, um, or Nickel, Nickel, oh, my nemesis Nickel. They say things like, well, they just wanted attention, and that's why Hickson went on all the talk shows through the 70s, went to all the UFO conventions, and, and did, did, did that. What is he supposed to do, not talk about it? What is he supposed to do, not talk about it? Calm down, Bob. You're okay. 
Well, it just, it just steams me up how people can be so stupid. I know. I know. Anyway, yes, uh, Hickson did travel UFO circuits quite a bit. Uh, his, his story basically never wavered, though, did it? No, not really. So I take it you're, uh, you're going back on what you said before about not believing any of this. Well, I have to a little bit because, well, I know what happened. Right, I figured you did. So tell me, what were they examining on them? That I will never reveal. Oh, come on, Bob. You know everything happened. You know how long it took, right? Like 15 minutes or something? Perhaps. Well, tell me, what were they examining? What were they looking for? I cannot say. What, where were they from? What galaxy were they from? Were, were they from the Milky Way? I'm not going to reveal these things to you, puny human. Yeah, well, what's a point then? You're not going to... Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so yeah. Hickson died in 2011 of a heart attack, and Calvin Parker just died a few months ago. Um, he did publish his own book back in 2018, like I said. Now, the next day, there was a reporter named Wallace, who, you know, the day after this incident, actually uh, called and had an interview with uh, Sheriff Diamond. And um, this was while Calvin and Parker were actually still in the hospital uh, because of their nerves, apparently. And this is the this is a little excerpt of the interview uh, with the sheriff. That same object that uh, was supposed to have picked these two men up with bodies about uh, four to five minutes earlier up near the Van Cleve area. It was also spotted by two or three people in Pascagoula. In other words, Sheriff Diamond, you've had, uh, I know we talked to Deputy Glenn Ryder earlier this morning, there have been quite a few reports of this UFO in our area, and approximately at the same time that uh, these two men have stated that they were taken aboard. That's very true. They even give us a description of the character creatures or characters, that, which you might, might want to call them. It was a the craft. They give a good description of them. They seemed to be around five foot tall. They were real wrinkled and had sharp ears, sharp nose, and their mouth was very near the end of the nose. They were horrible creatures from, from the description we got from them. Pretty interesting, huh? Huh, Bob? Yes, yes, very terrifying. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to this uh, whole little mystery? No, not really. If you want to do your own research, that would be advisable. But go into it with an open mind. And remember, multiple people all around the area can't all be lying about the same thing on the same day, explaining the exact same looking object or ship or whatever you want to call it. The terror in their voices were real, and I know for a fact that this happened. <laughs> All right, Bob, so we got another story here. I'm sure you know about this one, correct? Of course I do. Uh, I figured you did. Um, you probably had a hand in this, didn't you? You probably did this to this poor guy, right? With me? I would never. Sure, Bob, sure. Let's just say what happened to him, he deserved. But his grandfather deserved it even more. And he's paying for what he did to his grandson. Oh. Well, if he's uh, paying for what he did to his grandson, then and you're doing that to him in, in hell, I assume. Yes. Well, in a way, that makes you kind of good, doesn't it? Good, good, yes, this is what I've been saying all along. I'm actually good. I'm a good guy. Uh, Bob, no, you're actually kind of a, uh, you're actually kind of an evil, low-down, two-faced, backstabbing, lying, conniving, uh, manipulative, uh, mean-spirited, uh, murderous, unsanitary, callous degenerate, to be honest. Unsanitary! Okay, um, anyway, so who is this guy we're going to talk about? His name is Donnie Tucker. Now, this is on February 24th of 1983. He was 20 years old at the time. His name was Don Decker uh, of Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, he was on furlough to attend the funeral of his grandfather, uh, 63-year-old James and Kishaw. Now, Decker, who was serving time for receiving stolen property, like I said, uh, said he became distraught upon seeing the outpouring of sympathy for his grandfather, 
whom he despised for obvious reasons coming up here. Witnesses claim that Decker soon entered a trance and was responsible for a mysterious indoor rain uh, that he floated and exhibited telekinesis. He was moving objects with his mind, as well as making making a cross feel hot. Uh, Does this case offer proof of paranormal powers? Or is there any sort of real explanation, you know, down-to-earth explanation for this? What do you think there, Bob? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure there's some sort of prosaic explanation for rain falling sideways in someone's home. (laughs) Yeah, but that's just someone's word. Just someone said that, right? Uh, Yeah, the people who lived there, as well as uh, multiple police officers who came to investigate, as well as, um, let's see, when he went back to jail, he made it rain inside his cell. (laughs) And there was witnesses to that, too. And all of these people corroborate his story. Well, were they all lying? (laughs) So you're saying you really did do this? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. You just basically said you are. You said there's a bunch of, like, corroborating witnesses and everything. Okay, yes, I did this. His grandfather was a piece of shit. He deserved it. Okay, well, let's get back to the story. Well, go ahead. I'm not stopping you, Spidey. Now, this is this incident is among uh, one of the more compelling claims of paranormal activity ever recorded, and it is actually supported by testimony of no fewer than four police officers, uh, a jail supervisor, and it was... Featured on popular TV shows such as Unsolved Mysteries and Paranormal Witness. I saw the Unsolved Mystery uh, episode of it. It's pretty good. For decades, this case has been touted as defying scientific explanation. Now, he was on compassionate leave, as they call it, quote-unquote, compassionate leave from Monroe County Correctional Facility. Now, it was in Pocono Mountains uh, of extreme east-central Pennsylvania uh, on the evening of Saturday, February 21st. Now, he was staying at the home of family friends Bob and Jeannie Kiefer. Uh, Decker said that he was in the upstairs bathroom washing before supper when he felt strange and confused. He fell down and he had a vision of his uh, of an old man wearing a crown staring at him in the window or in the, uh, in the mirror. He then noticed three deep scratches running down his right wrist. He got up and washed the blood off of himself. Uh, He went back down to eat with the family, trying to play it off, obviously. Uh, When Bob noticed the blood, uh, Decker told him of the vision and attributed the wound to Satan. What do you think about that there, Bob? Was it attributed to you? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, why would you want to torture this guy if he was tortured by his grandfather? You just said you're torturing his grandfather and he deserved it. Why would you want to mess with this guy? Well, let's just say it was fun. Well, that's messed up. Anyway, uh, soon the Deckers noticed water dripping from the walls. Not the Deckers, the Kiefers. Noticed water dripping from the walls and the ceiling. Uh, The appearance of the rain coincided with a loud noise from above. What, like thunder or something? Uh, Kiefer phoned his landlord, Ron Van Wye, who soon arrived. The pair went upstairs to investigate the only plausible explanation they could think of, that there was like leaky pipes or some sort, something was going on with the pipes or the plumbing. Uh, they couldn't find anything. Kiefer, the owner of the house, said, We thought there, quote, we thought there had to be some kind of leak, but there is no water in that end of the house. Uh, there is no water lines in any place but the kitchen and the bathroom, which were in the back of the house. Upon going back downstairs, the men were startled to see Decker in a trance. Now, believing that the house was now possessed by an evil force, Kiefer phoned the police. Like, what are they going to do? Shit, phone up priest or something, right? Yeah, like the priest is going to do anything at all. <laughs> uh, okay, so Officer John Bowsen and Patrolman Richard Wolbert uh, arrived, and Bowsen said that not only was there rain, but that droplets would come from the floor defying gravity, unquote. Now, the police left, and Kiefer's and Van Wise conf- confronted Decker. Uh, they confronted Don Decker. They accused him of causing the rain. Now, suddenly, they said the pots and pans hanging in the kitchen began to clang, and that Decker levitated off the ground and was flung against the wall. 
Decker said he felt a pain in his arm and saw deep, bloody scratches running the length of his forearm that formed the shape of a king's cross near the joint of his inner elbow. By now, the Van Wyze and Kiefer's were convinced that Decker was possessed by the devil. Did you possess him, Bob? Like I said, of course. Ha, ha, it was fun. Uh, Officer Baljan soon returned. You're a twisted fucker, you know it. Yes. Officer Baljan soon returned to the house and found an electric atmosphere with Mrs. Kiefer in the living room reading the 23rd Psalm of the Bible in an effort to exercise Decker. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> Good luck with that stuff, silly humans. Uh, yeah, okay. So Baljan said that he too now believed that Decker was possessed by the devil. Adding to the eerie atmosphere, the mysterious rain remained confined only to the living room. Oh, you didn't do it in the whole house here, huh, Bob? No, I didn't want to ruin the furniture in one of the rooms. It was really nice stuff. Oh, how, how sweet of you. I know. I'm an angel, aren't I? <laughs> well, I guess technically you are, right? Shut up, Spidey. Later that evening, Bowsen and Wolpert brought Strasburg police chief Gary Roberts to the house. Now, he was unimpressed that anything unnatural was occurring, ordered his officers to leave and not file a report because this is ridiculous. The next day, Strasburg police officers William Davies and John Rundle visited the Kiefer home against the chief's wishes. Uh-oh, you're going to be busted. Uh, and claimed to observe Decker's body being flung through the air. Davies said that when he handed him a gold cross, Decker dropped it claiming it burned his skin. Quote, All of a sudden he lifted up off the ground and he flew across the room with a force as though a bus had hit him. There were three claw marks on the side of his neck which drew blood, Rundle said. Decker was soon back into Monroe Correctional Facility uh, after all of this mess, uh, but when he entered his cell, the rain reportedly returned. Water began to drip from the ceiling. And now his cellmate panicked and was moved to a separate block. Yeah, I bet. Uh, two guards then challenged Decker to use his, quote, powers to splash their shift supervisor, Dave Keyhold, with water. A short time later, Keyhold, who was in his office in the distant part of the jail, said he was struck in the chest by a drop of water. That's weird. You did that too? Of course I did. Humans are easy to trick. Oh, okay. Uh, the incident convinced uh, De Keyhold that Decker was indeed possessed by an evil force, and he summoned the jail's chaplain, William Blackburn, to perform an exorcism. So did that work there, huh? Did that work, Bob? What do you think? Well, was he was he possessed still after it? No, but that's just because I got bored and left. Yeah, right, Bob. It worked, didn't it? Of course it didn't work. It's ridiculous. Anyway, the two were placed in a room where Blackburn performed a brief exorcism. <laughs> brief exorcism. <laughs> Funny stuff, stuff. Okay, can I continue? Go ahead. Okay, so during which they both said it began to rain again, Decker said he felt a great relief after the ritual and strange events. They never re reoccurred after that. So you're saying that exorcism had nothing to do with that, huh? Not at all. Like I said, I just got bored. I was getting stupid at that point and I left. Oh, well, gee, aren't you a nice guy after all? I am a nice guy. Stop saying it mockingly like that. Just never call me unsanitary again, you fucker. Well, you kind of smell bad, Bob. What did you say? Okay, never mind. Forget it. Um, okay. Uh, now, at the time of these events, Decker was under extreme stress. He was serving jail time and experiencing the death of a relative whom he loathed. Um, we have to assume for, uh, for pretty, pretty bad reasons, wouldn't you think? Why else would you loathe your grandfather? Could it be abuse, you think? That's what I'm thinking, right? I believe so. <laughs> and he's having a great time in hell for it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, okay. Um, while so-called trance states may be triggered by stress and do not necessarily denote mental illness or disorder, they are also easily faked. So you're saying you didn't fake this? With all these witnesses, what do you think? You're all just making it up to be on the show or something? Well, it could be, right? I mean, right? Uh, no. Probably not, Spidey. Think about it. 
It is remarkable that Decker did not receive medical attention. Instead, attempts were made to exercise him, which is kind of strange, don't you think? What kind of medical attention are you possibly going to do for the guy? You take him to the doctor and rain starts pouring in the doctor's office. What's he going to do? Put a catheter in? Think about it. I guess it's a good point. It's kind of strange, I guess. Uh, if the witnesses were so quick to assume a demonic explanation, their perceptions may have been affected by their willingness to interpret other naturalistic events with a supernatural framework. Well, how could you interpret rain going sideways in a house or coming up from the floor to the ceiling? How could you interpret that differently if multiple people are seeing that? Correct. Sometimes debunkers are just absolutely ridiculous with the things that they come up with. Same with the UFO cases. It's just ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous sometimes, but I, I don't know if I believe all this stuff. What did I just tell you? I said it really happened and I did it. Yeah, but you, you are a trickster. You do like to lie, so I'm not sure if I believe any of this. You believe whatever you want to, Spidey. I'm your best friend. I wouldn't lie to you. Bullshit. You've done it over and over again. Tricked me to lie to me all kinds. Then why am I your best friend? That's a good question, Bob. Why am I? Because we're buddies. <laughs> Okay, the creeps. Okay, um, anyway. The witnesses' actions are also inconsistent with the nature of the claims. Imagine you are in a house with supernatural events, and they are supposedly occurring. An indoor rain is moving upwards from the floor, and a man supposedly levitates and can move objects with his mind. If documented, it is a monumental event in the history of science, for it would defy the laws of physics as we know them and demonstrate the existence of paranormal activity, wouldn't it? Yes. Uh, it was an event spanning several days and supported by numerous witnesses. So why didn't anyone bother to record these happenings uh, with a video camera or take photos, huh, Bob? Well, they weren't exactly in everyone's pocket back in the early 80s, like they are now, right? You have to, like, run and find a camera, or, or they didn't even have, like, video cameras at all, did they? I guess not. Uh, Decker's forearm supposedly had deep scratches and the bloody image of a king's cross. Why didn't anyone photograph the scratches and the image, huh, Bob? Huh? Actually, that's a pretty good question. Uh, cause humans are fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, these inactions are more consistent with events uh, that become exaggerated over time. I believe that. Of course you would. What are you trying to say? I'm a debunker? I'm not a debunker. No, but you're human. Humans can be stupid. Okay. Uh, on Officer Baozhao's first visit, he reported that a drop of water materialized out of thin air and flew horizontally through the room. So what does he do soon after witnessing this amazing event? He and his partner leave. That's a good point. So why would you just leave? Surely they had access to video equipment or a camera that could have documented this remarkable occurrence. Yeah, but they would have had to go back to the police station, and it just sounds like a big pain in the ass. Probably would have stopped by then. Who knows, you know. I guess probably the last thing on their mind is videotaping it, you know, especially back then. Big, clunky, uh, cumbersome sort of video cameras and whatnot, don't you think? Perhaps. I don't know. You're the one who knows everything, Spidey. Uh, whatever. Um, why not phone the local TV station to record this event? Oh, that's, that's actually a good point. They could have done that, but like I said... They just weren't thinking. Maybe they were too confused at what they were seeing. I, I guess. All we are left with are eyewitness accounts from excited observers uh, with a worldwide view that includes the reality of the devil. You see, uh, like people believe in the devil still. I, I just, I just, I, why are you looking at me like that, Bob? Hmm. You don't believe in your best friend anymore. I never believed in you. You're kind of a jerk. What did you say? say? Uh, never mind. Let me continue. Police are often touted as trained observers whose testimony is beyond reproach. Yet they are not trained to detect trickery, and they too can be fooled. Officer Baojan reported the water droplets were materializing out of thin air and flying horizontally through the room. Baojan said droplets would come from the floor, absolutely defying gravity. It was truly amazing. When all of a sudden this drop materializes, it flies through the living room, through the dining room, and into the darkness of the kitchen and out of sight. 
If it was so amazing, why not record it? Now this, it's just this this person just repeating himself with a stupid question here. Instead, he leaves the house and then returns later with Police Chief Roberts. Uh, Burr still no camera, no camera, huh? Who did not interpret the rain as paranormal? You know, come to think of it, I don't think many police stations had video cameras in 1982 or 83. That's kind of ridiculous. I don't know if they're even on the market at all, right? All you had was film cameras. Correct. Or maybe video cameras that were super expensive. Correct. Okay. Um, anyway, human perception is notoriously unreliable, even under ideal conditions. Stress can alter perceptions, and it is difficult to imagine few events more stressful than believing that you are in the presence of a man who is possessed by demonic forces. Well, what about the stress of Bob Decker? You know, his grandfather who he hated and loathed and couldn't stand. He's got to stand there at his funeral and listen to all these people crying about this big jerk, right? I mean, that's got to be something. Correct. You're nailing everything today, Spidey. So on top of the game. You don't have to be sarcastic. Anyway, shortly after the rain began, uh, Kiefer and his landlord examined upstairs pipes for leaks, but they failed to check the most likely cause, the roof. Because, as Mr. Van Wy observed, it hadn't been raining outside for days. Now, Van Wy, Officer Baljan, Bob and Jeanette Kiefer, and Ron and Romaine Van Wy all concluded that an evil force was responsible for the rain. Ron said, Ron said, quote, there was no shadow of doubt in my mind. It was the presence of evil. Mr. Kiefer concurred, quote, I thought there was some kind of spirit controlling him, some kind of demon in him, unquote. Officer Baljan even concluded at the time that the strange events were the work of, quote, the devil. Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> it was a good time. Okay. It is notable that Baljan said the same phenomena that they witnessed was witnessed by their chief. Quote, when the chief got to the house, he was pelted with rain, just as Rich Wolpert and I were. Roberts considered the water to be a natural event. Roberts was called to the house on two separate occasions and saw nothing unusual. Quote, sometimes what people believe happens and what actually happens are two different things. Unquote. He said defiantly, a skeptic regarding such matters, he also uh, he was also an outsider and had moved to Strasbourg three years earlier to take up the position of chief of police. Now, despite using first-hand accounts from many of the original witnesses, the TV reenactments were far from accurate. For instance, Mr. Van Wye said when he first arrived at the house, he noticed nothing out of the ordinary, and that it was not until he sat in the living room that he first noticed very light rain coming from the ceiling. Yet both Paranormal Witness and Unsolved Mysteries segments, Mr. Van Wye arrives to see heavy rain pouring down. Okay, so that's an inconsistency. That's pretty glaring, right? Yes, that is pretty glaring, but, you know, human brains are fallible. It doesn't mean that what they saw, they didn't see, or that didn't happen. Sometimes when you have multiple witnesses like this, you have to take them at face value. I suppose that's right. Now, when he returned to jail, when Don Decker returned to jail, supposedly the rain followed him. Yet before arriving, word had spread of his rain-making ability, and many of the guards and inmates were expecting some sort of rain event or miraculous paranormal event. Uh, quote, all the inmates heard what was going on at the house. They were all scared. The guards, they were scared too, Decker said. Keenan noted that after looking at Decker's demeanor, we felt that the supernatural was present. Keenhold told paranormal witness matter-of-factly, quote, water was all over his cell. Water was going horizontal, vertical, climbing up the walls, defying the laws of gravity, unquote. Yet Keyhole told reporter Kristen Tattoo that he never visited Decker in his cell. How can he appear so certain of this event if he is relying on second-hand accounts? Uh, at the very least, paranormal witness is guilty of giving the impression that Keyhole was there. What other selective use of evidence was employed? The documentary gives only one side of the story. There are no interviews with skeptics, and conspicuously absent is the testimony of then-police chief Gary Roberts. Uh, that is a good point right there. Is the purpose of this show to uncover the truth or create the impression of a mystery when one does not exist in order to obtain high ratings? Well, it's obvious you want high ratings, dumbass, right? Well, that is correct. Doesn't mean it wasn't real, though. Yeah, I suppose that's true. 
If the evidence was clear and convincing, why not take a photo or a video? Um, surely if one were to see water moving up a wall, you would summon others to observe this remarkable event. Well, they did. They, multiple people saw this. They did summon other people. They called the police and the police saw too. Oh, I, I, maybe they're talking about in, in the jail. Okay. Why not contact the FBI? Oh, give me a break. Or university experts in physics to investigate. Come on. Now he's just, this guy's just debunking it just for the sake of debunking it at this point, don't you think? Yes, of course. That's what they like to do. They can't believe it, so they won't believe it, no matter what. Now, the water in a cell could have been thrown there from the sink or from a leaky roof. What? Instead of assuming a natural explanation such as an optical illusion, Keyhole calls on the jail chaplain because he assumes that Decker is possessed by the devil. Well, if you see something weird like this, you, no one's like outside of the window throwing water in. That's a ridiculous assumption. It is. Very much is. Now, in 2011, Paranormal Witness depicted Keyhole sitting in his office several locked doors away when a massive droplet hit him in about the center of my sternum, about four inches long, two inches wide. I was just saturated with water, unquote. And that was in 1993. Now, Keyhole told Unsolved Mysteries that he was unaware of having been struck by the water until a guard entered the room and pointed out that he had a wet patch on his chest and that Decker had said he would make it rain on him. Oh, that's, that's a glaring inconsistency right there. Uh, wow. It was only then that he attributed the moisture to Decker and became convinced that he was possessed by a devil, an evil force. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Whatever, Spidey. It is not uncommon for people to sweat near their sternum. Oh, this is getting classic now. While Keyhole said he was saturated, the dampness could not have been too significant, as he said he was not even aware of it until the guard noted it. Keyhole said his first thought was that he spilled something on his shirt, but he had not recently been around water. Uh, in a Paranormal Witness show, Keyhole said that prior to the incident, he had just finished with the evening meal, a scenario that would have placed him amongst a variety of liquid sources. There could be coincidences here, and you know what I think of coincidences, right? They don't exist. Correct. They don't exist. Now, if we assume that something happened uh, that calls for a natural explanation, according to a report on moisture problems in manufactured homes, oh, this is getting just outrageous, actually, that was published by Manufacturing Housing Research Alliance, Pennsylvania is at moderate to high risk for water moisture problems. Okay, this is getting a little bit out of control, don't you think? With one of the most severe events being ice damming, this is caused by warm air entering an attic that melts snow on the outer surface of a roof, resulting in an accumulation of ice under which pools of water form and eventually leak into the house. Ice dams are common after major snowstorms in areas where the temperatures rise above freezing during the day and fall below freezing at night. Well, I, I suppose that kind of makes sense. Yes, I guess that one does make a little bit of sense, but whatever. Such conditions were applicable in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. According to the weather records for the nearby town on that day, February 11th to 28th, I should say, 1983, 13 days before the strange indoor rain, there was a record snowfall across central and eastern Pennsylvania. Well, that actually makes a little sense, huh? I guess. Philadelphia measured its heaviest accumulation for any February storm with 21.3 inches. That's quite a bit. East Strasburg University measured one inch of snow on the 10th and 16 inches on the 11th. Wow. Scranton is the nearest weather station with temperature readings 37 miles from Strasbourg. Now, after the storm on the 11th, clear cold weather settled in. Then, between the 14th and 25th, the daytime temperatures were above freezing by up to 20 degrees. And with three exceptions, they were below freezing at night. Ideal conditions for the ice damming as the snow would have melted by day and refrozen overnight. Well, there you go, Bob. Then, on the fateful evening of the 26th, there was a mild cold snap with a daytime high of 26 degrees and an overnight low of 20. One of the features that perplexed the occupants and Officer Baljan was the rain being confined to one room. Patrick Hewlin of the University of Minnesota is a specialist in environmental design and ice damming. He says, you're a specialist in ice damming? Really? Did you go to school for that? 
That seems weird. He says that it is actually common for ice damming events to be limited to a small portion of a house, such as a single room. Wow, skeptics are really reaching, I think, kind of, uh, but whatever. But how does one explain Bob Kiefer's remark that the rain drip drops dripping down the wall had a strange consistency? Quote, it wasn't water as you know water. It was sticky, tacky feeling. Hulman says that water running down ceilings and walls often mixes with resins in the wood or residue from plaster, giving the water a tacky feel. Now, that actually makes sense, though, right? Sure, whatever. The first sign anything was amiss with the house, according to Unsolved Mysteries, was that water was seen dripping down the walls and was shortly thereafter falling from the ceiling. Hulman observes that ice dam events commonly involve symptoms beginning at the outer edge of, and working in toward the ceiling. Just as the rain first appeared in Kiefer's home, the occupants reported hearing a loud crash from above. Such sounds are consistent with, with ice, ice damming. Why would the ice crack on the 26th as water expands? When freezing, it commonly results in popping and cracking noises accompanied by what could have been a section of ice cracking and falling on the roof. Now, that actually does make sense. Now, that would release the damned water. Now, the occupants of the house noted a damp chill, a, a damp chill in the house, particularly in the living room, where the rain was falling. Now, within seconds, quote, within seconds of entering that room, I had this cold feeling, said Baojin. One plausible explanation is that water began seeping into the insulation, causing it to become a poor insulator of heat. Anyway, I guess the bottom line is there's all kinds of explanations for everything that this guy Decker and everyone else says, right, Bob? Yes, I suppose. Why would I lie about this? That's what I just asked you. Maybe I did lie about it. Well, did you lie about it or not? Wait, I'm confused. Okay, fine. I had nothing to do with it. I confess. Well, now I don't know if I believe that either. Believe what you want to, Spidey. Oh. Okay, so I'm going to say this did not happen as it was reported, and it was just based on Don Decker's stress, and people took things a little bit too seriously and out of hand, and everyone immediately thought it was possession and the devil, or you, and uh, and it's just um, nothing paranormal happened here. Believe what you want to believe, Spidey. So you did or didn't have a hand in this? I did not, and I did. Wait, what? I totally did all of this, Spidey. What are you talking about? So now you're saying you did do it? I didn't do this. This is ridiculous. Okay, well let's let's end it here. Okay, I hope you enjoyed our uh, couple of couple of stories today. Okay, Bob. Well, thank you very much for your input, and um, thanks to the Scatter Ranch for letting us do this little mini episode about the Pascagoula abduction uh, in 1973. Four, three, four. Get your facts straight, buddy. All right, all right, all right. Anyway, Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh, Calvin Parker and uh, Hickson. Alan Hickson, I think. Again, get your facts straight. Anyway. Uh, thanks again, Scatterbrains, and uh, we will talk to you some other time. Good night, humans. Good night, humans. Good night, humans. Good night, humans. Good night, humans.